Welcome, family, and thank you for joining me for episode 12 of the Indigiru podcast. This evening, I want to discuss how many marginalized folks, um, to include uh, Black people, Indigenous people, uh, Latino people, have consistently over time transmuted the trauma and pain of our experiences into joy or song or dance or even humor as a way of coping. I think about throughout time this expectation to keep a smile on your face and keep things lighthearted. Um, what's the the quote, we laugh to keep from crying comes to mind um, when I think about it. Um, And how exhausting that can be. And how it could actually potentially build up um, a false understanding that that is necessary to survive and to thrive. And how we may inadvertently be carrying over so many unhealed parts of our experiences forward and so thinking about us you know I just I was like man you know we can turn anything into a meme we can breed roadmaps to freedom in the scalps of our sisters and brothers and children we can dance the trauma out of our bones and and be at the cutting edge of you know all kinds of creative and artistic endeavors as expressions of our pain and so I just thought about number one how magical and how like it's just a magical gifting that we are able to do that and that we have consistently done that over time And now, in this particular moment in time, there are some of us that um, are certainly still transmuting our pain in that way. And then there's those of us that are kind of in this interesting space, and I can only speak for myself, where for some reason, this just feels like a different moment. Surely we can laugh. Surely we will sing. Surely we will dance and love and commune and eat together as a way of bringing joy into our lives. But at the same time, I found myself in this position of just being more open to expressing the pain and the the hurt and the anger that I feel and also allowing my body and my mind and my spirit to rest in this time in a way that I, I just think I've actually felt guilty for before and when I look around and I look at my ancestors and my elders and how they have made it through all of these uh, crazy times you know my grandmother grew up Jim Crow South um My mother and aunties and uncles grew up during the civil rights movement. And to hear the family stories and to 
to hear what they've shared about what they needed to do during that time. None, almost none of those things included rest or having a particular space to just express what they felt about it. And so while acknowledging that something was hurtful or painful, it was like, okay, we got to keep going. We got to push past it. We have to live. We have to live. We have to live. And how throughout time, this like, we have to just keep going, keep pushing, keep pushing. It can literally kill us. You know, we hold the stress, the anger, the anxiety in ourselves. We never express it. We never honor it. And it can actually kill us if we don't do so. And I began to also contemplate the comfort level that that builds in those of us, those people that are around us, that are observing us. And I realized that not only does it become a survival tactic for us, but it becomes an expectation of people and communities on the outside watching. And so instead of truly understanding the depth of the pain and the hurt and the anger and the fear, there is this uh, energy of, well, they're laughing and singing and dancing. They must be good. And it's not seen as um, a comfort measure and a tool for us to just maintain our sanity and make it to the next step. And I thought, you know, wow, not only are we doing ourselves a disservice by not expressing the reality of our feelings and and where it's coming from and why, but there's also a false sense of comfort and 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 um, just an inaccurate depiction of what our experience of pain looks like. And so, you know, I, I think of all these the research and study that has come out over the centuries about, you know, people of African descent feeling the least amount of pain or, you know, having this um, innate athletic prowess and and physical dominance and all of that. And whilst those were studies to perpetuate these evil ideologies to dehumanize people of African descent, I also realized that the set of survival tactics and the the things that we have created to preserve our very soul is also rooted in some of those perspectives. And just thinking, not just for myself, but also communicating uh, with my, my family and my loved ones, like... We do not have to continually do the labor of transmuting our pain to joy immediately. It's okay for us to feel the pain and express it as it is. And most likely after expressing it and and processing those feelings, we may very well be exhausted because it's exhausting. 
but that after that point, it is then okay as well to rest and to take that time to connect back to ourselves and spirit and and the most high and to get grounded and to be able to sit and think and strategize for what our next move in life is. And while our ancestors may have not been able to take those moments of rest, prayerfully, if we're mindful and strategic about how we can implement it into our lives, that we are able to rest. That we don't have to work ourselves to the bone just for a job or a career. We don't have to work ourselves just to the bone for emotional labor labor for the greater culture. That we don't have to work ourselves to the bone upholding these images and these perspectives and these ideals and these pictures that are just not real or they're not complete at the very least. And when we get to that place where we can even acknowledge that we need it, we need it like the air we breathe, we need to rest, we need to feel, we need to process, we need to allow the everything, whatever it is, you know, and I don't know, I mean, it may be very well different for every person, but to feel those feelings and release them so that they don't get trapped in our bodies and carried on to a future where it doesn't belong and you know just also contemplating the fact that we don't owe anyone comfort um the burden is not on our shoulders to make everyone around us as comfortable as possible as quickly as possible and I know for me as a mother that is certainly a perspective that (laughs) that is it's not the very first thing it's certainly my go-to to make sure that you know my family is comfortable that there's a a balance and an equilibrium that's taking place in my home and and even if I have to bear the the brunt of um the burden of the emotions and the processing and the explaining and the all of that that that's what I'll do because I want the ones that I love to be as comfortable as soon as possible and I realize that inconsistently being in that space teaching my children to be in that place and I want them to see what it looks like to feel be uncomfortable release let go heal and move forward I want them to see that one can experience pain and hurt and anger and fear and process it and release it and heal from it and move forward from it. And how this is not a lesson that has, you know, 
a time stamp on it. It's not like, you know, oh, once you reach 35 or once you reach 25 or once you reach 55, this will be something that you just know how to do. It has to be a practice. It has to be observed. And as I think about that, I'm just like floored because it's like as we are navigating and trying to figure out what to do with all these feelings, we're not necessarily acknowledging that additional burden to hurry up and soften the blow for everyone else. And it reminded me of a conversation I had with a dear friend of mine around um, disciplining my son. And she said, you know, When you dole out consequences, you come right behind it with, you know, this abundance of comfort and love and, you know, but, but da, 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 you know, whatever the, the follow-up is, because you're constantly trying to soften the blow. And she said, you know, I want you to consider that your inability to let them, him, her, whatever, like sons and daughters, your inability to let them sit in that moment. She said it doesn't need to be, you know, days and days and days, but you don't even let it be a few hours. You're like right behind it with, you know, this comfort and all this stuff. She said, but they don't ever get to feel the sting of it. They don't ever get to feel the sting of a lesson learned. They don't get to feel the sting of a consequence had. And that is actually where the learning is located. And so while your perspective on it is from a place of deep care and love, you're actually elongating the time that they're going to learn the lesson because you're coming right right behind it. And I've had to think about that. And I was like, wow. She's right. And began to implement just more space. You know, if you, if I'm having to speak too much, you're not listening, then you're going to lose TV time or this privilege or that privilege and just sticking to it and letting it settle. Like, oh man, for real, if that happens, then this happens and letting them, letting that resonate with them to the point where they are making their own decisions about it and the the crazy thing is is that it's not that there were no consequences before that's actually not the case it was just that they were comforted through the consequence and constantly affirmed through the consequence which is something that I see happening right now in our culture um, in some areas where you know we're talking about the brutality of a thing But then we're like, but you're doing a great job, though. But, 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 but. And we're like coddling and comforting to make sure that the people that are just now understanding the depth and the breadth of the pain of these experiences are simultaneously comfortable while they're hearing it. Now, again, this is not in all areas. It's just some, but it reminded me 
um, of that nurturing nature that comes through as a mother in doing the same thing when it's time for consequences to be um, given for whatever behavior or lack of action has taken place. And it just, it was amazing where it's like, you know, this is applicable in all areas of life, not just in what's currently happening um, in our culture around demanding acknowledgement and, and justice for the systems of oppression and murder and miseducation and looting of a culture that has taken place over many centuries. This is applicable in our relationships. This is applicable in our parenting, our intimate relationships, our parenting, our work relationships, like beginning to be okay with processing is is healthy. And as we are experiencing these shifts in culture, making sure that we are also looking within and experiencing those internal shifts as well. There's opportunity here. There's opportunity to put processes in place where we are beginning to consistently practice healthy management of our emotions. Not just the positive ones, not just the negative ones, but all of the things that we're feeling and beginning to integrate these processes into our daily life to function as better human beings. And so, you know, again, just wanting to encourage us. I mean, even when I think about the impact of social media on this, it's like, if you're in pain, it's almost not okay to show that part. Like, you have to show your best face, your best foot forward, and you're not allowed to actually even show the full spectrum of humanity um, in a in a social media space. Um, now, that's not necessarily something that I subscribe to, but I guess maybe I have even just, like, what what do I post? What do I share? Am I only sharing when I feel up? Am I also, you know, sharing when I feel down and, and all the social etiquette that goes along with it? Oh, am I going to be, you know, you know, people have opinions about everything. But just being mindful, though, however you operate, of how that impacts how you view your process. So even if you are, you're like, you know what, I'm, I use social media as a place to curate a certain vibe. Awesome. But as you're curating that vibe, you know, being sure that you are checking in with yourself so that even when you're not engaging on social media or you're not engaging with uh, maybe people outside of your home, that you are still intentionally and mindfully processing what you're experiencing and creating space for rest in your life without judgment of yourself and creating those boundaries within your family and your personal relationships and and living the example that, hey, it's okay for all of us to process all the things that we're feeling and really putting that into practice in our individual families and prayerfully in our greater communities. And so that was just um, 
it's just been on my mind uh, lately to not we don't have to quickly transmute everything it's a magical gift it truly is and I totally acknowledge that it's not a gift that everyone every single person has but I know culturally it's a gift that we have and to not allow our gifts to basically just to be good stewards over it not to allow it to drain us unwittingly to be intentional about how and when we're using it and being intentional about processing our emotions the joy and the pain and being intentional about our rest so i appreciate you guys listening in and i will talk to you next week